Hi everyone, welcome to the latest season of Gen 3. Today we're starting with an amazing guest, Daniel Rowland. He is an Academy Award winning and Grammy nominated engineer. He worked on amazing projects with Pixar, with Disney, with Marvel. He worked on Star, uh, Star Wars tracks. Um, he's worked with some incredible um, artists like David Guetta, like Gwen Stefani, and a lot of others. If I keep talking, honestly, the entire podcast will just be about um, some of the amazing achievements he's done. Um, but I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, Daniel. How are you? I'm amazing. I can't introduce myself any better than that. So there you go. How are you doing? I am good. I just got a new puffy, so he is growling in the <laughs> background. <laughs> nice. Um, He'll have to make so, an appearance here. Yeah, he's going to make an appearance soon. Um, his nice. voice is going to make an appearance for sure. Um, but awesome, Daniel. So I wanted to invite you today because you've been very involved in the audio space for a long time. You've worked with some of the biggest conglomerates in the world. Um, you're very involved in the industry and you understand where the industry is going. So with a couple of words to start with, can you summarize where you think you know the audio industry in general is going to be heading in the next 10 years because with podcasting it seems like it's a little bit outdated and with audio it seems like there's a lot of you know technical evolutions that really is not involving the rest of the public or the long tail of the public so where do you think you know music and audio in general is going to go in the next couple of years yeah i think not just my own view, but you know, consensus of a lot of people is it's kind of all about inclusivity and widening the number of people making music and the, you know, simplifying the tools, uh, you know, that people use. You know, we look at everyone's probably heard this before, but we look at what Instagram did for photography and video creators, right? We're like, everyone, no one even thinks about it anymore. There's no barrier to being a photographer. I mean, of course, there's different levels, you know, and there's different tools you can use. You don't need to use Photoshop. You can just use filters, but everybody feels mm -hmm. empowered to participate, right? And music still is not quite there. And there's some people who don't want it to ever be yeah. an inclusive kind of space. They want it to be, no, you need to know music theory and you need to, you know, really understand DAWs and Pro Tools and all of that. And I completely disagree with that. I think, uh, yeah, that, that we should kind of widen that funnel as big as we can for people to participate. And if they choose to go deeper into music or they choose to go into gaming or they choose to just be casual mm -hmm. creators of content, like that's, it's all good. It doesn't matter as long as people can kind of dip their toe. So that's where a lot of tech mm -hmm. is going. I'm developing a lot of that technology or some of that technology. I'm working with companies that are, and, um, and not to be long winded, but even the biggest, most professional music technology companies are looking at this, right? They're saying, mm -hmm. okay, if we want to be competitive, we can't just address uh, 1% of the market, right? We need to kind of uh, build products and workflows that, that can appeal to lots of people. And that, that's where we're headed. And it's not, you know, there's been baby steps towards that, but really right now it's, it's, you know, everyone seems to be focused on that, that issue. So question, it seems like everyone is, you know, focusing towards making audio and, you know, music more inclusive and just creating more inclusive software. Do you think that is because of the bottom line? Do you think that, you know, a lot of the musician have, um, or like they've utilized, you know, the revenue and now they want to grow into new markets or is it because they want to actually create innovative spaces? Cause there are two different schools of thoughts and I see that, them, yeah. you know, always fighting where, you know, yeah. you've got the artists who want to keep music exclusive and they think if they, you know, music becomes watered down, it's just, there's going to be a sea of useless, you know, music out there. And I think that happened with TikTok where a bunch of um, artists went viral on TikTok and then they started going on tours and they got so much backlash about how, you know, individual people who just go viral on the internet now are called musicians. And then you've got the other opposite where 
you know, where demand is or where who, whoever people want to listen to, those are considered artists because it's a little bit subjective. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's that's an interesting question. I mean, there's a lot the definition of artist, like good luck with that. You know, <laughs> honestly, there's a lot of it, there's a definition. Does, does being signed, for an example, to, to mm -hmm. be to a major label, does that make you an artist? If you're signed, do you automatically get the badge mm -hmm. of artist? Because there's a lot of people signed to major labels that suck. Like, yeah, they are yeah. not. <laughs> They're not, they're not bad people, but they're not, they're not musicians. They're not singers. They're just like personalities. And those aren't even people who came from TikTok and social media. So I think, I don't know, it's tough for me, right? Because, okay, so I have a music degree, right? I am a trained mm -hmm. musician. I can play a lot of instruments. I can, I can mm -hmm. do a lot of that stuff, right? So there was a period of my life where I really looked down on, you know, people who, didn't have much musical skill and but you know but I, I i'm not that way anymore at all i really think mm -hmm. and i think i've seen enough to realize that you are an artist if somebody else likes what you do that's the definition of an artist to me right so if, if you're putting okay. something out whether it's authentic or whatever you're doing and other people are attracted to that you are an entertainer or an artist or however you want to define it so i do understand backlash to, oh you know somebody leapfrogged me in my career because they went viral on tiktok but ultimately mm -hmm that's how shit works, right? That's how the entertainment industry has always worked in one form or another. So whether it's fair or not. Yeah. So I, I tend to be less uh, grumpy about that stuff than I, than I used to be. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Every artist would love to go viral on TikTok, even if they, they get mad about that kind of stuff. They're just mad that they didn't probably. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's, it's, it's fair when it comes to, you know, again, people who spend years studying music um and trying to create a craft and then someone doesn't know music goes viral and they're the new hit do you think that yep. also creates an imbalance in the artist community uh i think it does um ultimately though again that's no different than a bubblegum pop act in the 50 but 50s becoming <laughs> successful over a virtuoso cello player right it's why classical mm -hmm. classical you know if you look at different eras of music there is always mm -hmm. this kind of battle between what's popular or what's kind of you know a quick hit and somebody who is is a trained virtuoso level musician whatever you want to define that as so this mm -hmm. is not a new by any stretch of the imagination a new thing there, there's the immediacy mm -hmm. of it is is new right with which people can like there are no gatekeepers anymore TikTok, you, you can just immediately yeah. go through and potentially gain fame so i i, I don't know it's, it's a tough question because i understand why people can would say, you know, oh, I studied forever and did this, but that, I, I don't know, that's not how pop music works necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can't, for instance, go on TikTok and be a crappy cello player and become really famous as a virtuoso cello player. Right? You For have being to a be crappy, talented, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Right, you can't do that as a jazz saxophonist, but if you're, yeah. when it comes to pop music, you can make a little beat or have an AI make a beat and talk over it, and potentially people are gonna think that's cute and you'll go viral for a minute. Was that going to lead to you having a long-term career necessarily? We're not seeing that, right? We're not mm -hmm. seeing a lot of these artists have sustainability. So you can also look at that. It's like, what is what is your goal as an artist? Do you want to be a flash in the pan or do you want to build something that you can sustain for the rest of your life and support your family with, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a blessing. This TikTok virality stuff is a blessing and a curse for a lot of artists yeah. who maybe weren't prepared just like it's just like a startup, right? A startup, if you're not prepared to scale when scale hits, you're probably going to fail. Same thing with a lot of these artists, right? They may not mm -hmm. have the talent or the infrastructure to really sustain uh, a long career. And we're kind of seeing that in the public's appetite for them. May, you know, it may not be more than that one little, you know, yeah, just one 30 second or one thing hit. that they yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, that's true. What do you think about the new integration of music and metaverse and all that amazing universe <laughs> of, you know, artists hiding behind their metaverse characters and becoming yep. like metaverse artists? It's a whole new world that I just got into and it's, it's, it's amazing. The, the, the fandom yep. that's within it. It's nuts. And of course, you know, I, I've said this before. I'm shocked that it took us as long, um, you know, in the West to adopt this, right? We've seen mm -hmm. this type of stuff, you know, in Japan as an example for 15 plus years, more than that, right? Where, where we have the hologram selling out stadiums and stuff like that. I always thought True. when I used to yeah. go to tour in Japan, I was like, okay, this is coming back to the States in a month. It's going to be a big thing here. Mm -hmm. And outside of like gorillas, and we had a couple of things that were similar, but not really the same on the pop star side of things. So it's, yeah, it's finally kind of coming over this way, whether artists are just having digital representations of themselves, right? Or it's an artist with a kind of a pseudonym virtual avatar or what have you, or it's a, it's an, a, a band of bored apes, you know, signed a universal music <laughs> group. It doesn't really matter. I, I think it's, I think it's interesting. Now, this is another thing though. We could totally apply the same question that you asked before is like, what do artists feel about this? Right. Some artists are yeah, going to think this is art. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, other people are going to feel like, no, this is not what music is supposed to be. It's supposed to be authentic. It's I'm supposed to present myself, not necessarily through this digital medium. So I understand mm -hmm. how this is a whole thing for people as well. But ultimately, you know, if you look at I, I look at it through this lens, like I look at what the what a, how much of a grind it is to be an artist. Right. And the content treadmill that they're on and all these different things to try to get engagement and sustain a fan base, I think there's a lot of opportunity on the metaverse side of things on the digital performance side of things. Again, whether it's in Fortnite or it's in, you know, the sandbox or pick your, pick your platform for artists to really extend their brand and be able to connect with fans, you know, in a way that doesn't involve constantly touring, you know what I mean? Or being in mm -hmm. front of a camera constantly or having to be on in that way. So mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm rambling a bit about it, but I, I think it's, I think it's super intriguing. And I think it's, if, if anybody, dismisses it or doesn't think it's going to be we're not going to have a number one single by an artist that's not an actual person in the next two years you're crazy because that's going to happen let's say five years to be to mm -hmm. be generous but yeah i mean that's going to be a thing that's awesome yeah i think i've i've seen a lot of them even the music even though they hide behind what they call like an alias the music is still as authentic and it's still as connecting to the audience yeah. as someone I see live or someone whose face I know, right? It's just you're depending on a character or you're relating to a character rather than a person right. that you know in real life, um, which I think it's the concept that people are still trying, like having a hard time relating yeah. to, I think. Well, it's interesting. I mean, people do that. People relate to digital characters in movies, right? People relate yeah. to cartoons. Mm -hmm. People, you know, of course, J this was such a big thing in Japan because mm -hmm. they're a, uh, you know, anime characters are so massive and people relate mm. to them as they would to, to, you know, a real person, right? So the ex to, yeah. to extend that into music or to extend that into art or into fashion is not a massive leap. Maybe we are a little bit less that way over here, but, uh, mm -hmm. but that's certainly changing. Yeah. And I see a whole different community as well that is connecting with these aliases online where because that they, because you're, you know, a character that you create, essentially you can create a character from you know from another universe an alien right. that is 
you know, that is, that, that does not fit into this world that has, you know, struggled with mental health. Like you create that picture and you're able to literally mold your character to an entire audience that, you know, maybe I as an individual cannot, you know, maybe relate to because I've never been through those experiences. But as a character, you can literally mold your, the character towards your audience's experiences, right. which creates a stronger fandom, which I found extremely interesting and unique that, you know, in real life you yeah. can't do. And in, there's a flip side of that. I would say that you can also express things that are authentic to you, whether you've had mental health struggles or, blah, you know, pick your pick your thing. And you might be more comfortable representing that through some facsimile or some, yeah. you know, virtual idol than you would necessarily yeah. directly yourself. Right. So I'm hoping that it also opens up avenues to be for people to be even more authentic in the presentations of themselves outside of just throwing money up in the air and doing kind of some of the mm -hmm. bullshit that we're used to in, in the pop music world, uh, because they, you know, they feel like they can be a little bit more vulnerable that way. And it just depends on the person, obviously. Mm -hmm. Are there any up and coming, you know, indie or independent artists that maybe the public have not heard of that, you know, you really love and you think people should start listening more to? I'm the worst person to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there's, there's artists doing really interesting stuff in the, uh, mm -hmm. like the metaverse space and the, you know, NFT and crypto space and all that stuff on the music side of things, whether it's Sammy mm -hmm. Tabor, or, you know, people like that. But no, I, you know, shockingly, like I don't listen to a ton of music these days. I really? work on a lot of music, but unless okay. it's something I'm working on, like today, I gotta, I'll be, either mixing or mastering for probably let's say eight hours today. Not a lot, but I'm doing a bunch mm -hmm. of other business stuff too, obviously for, for different things that I do. But, um, when I, outside, I'm listening to a podcast when I'm done with music. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, so I was going to ask, do you have that paradox where like, you know, chefs who cook all day, yeah. they, you know, they see food and they're like, Oh my God, don't, I don't want to cook at home. Do you, do you find the same paradox where now you cannot listen to music or enjoy music as much? I I mean, I still enjoy it definitely, but it is mm -hmm. just, it is different because, you know, I'm constantly mm -hmm. like, for instance, today I'll be listening to a lot of music, some of which I've never heard. Now, some of that's music mm -hmm. I'm working on and some of it's music I'm referencing to make mm -hmm. sure the music I'm working on is on par. Right. So other professionally done mm -hmm. music. So I'm enjoying it, but I'm also picking it apart. <laughs> right. With, okay. So like you're a criticizing every part of it. movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I criticizing it or, or appreciating it, but appreciating mm -hmm. it, not necessarily from an artistic standpoint, from a technical standpoint about like, oh man, the compression that they used on that <laughs> snare drum is dope. Or the, yeah. you know, the way that they pan those guitars is amazing or the timbre, this vocal or the harmonies. So it's going through a lot of other things beyond just the initial, you know, like, oh, this is a great song, you know? So, mm -hmm. and that honestly, some people don't struggle with that, but I have for 20 years since i really started to do music professionally as either an engineer or a producer or whatever, really separating myself from mm -hmm. that technical analysis side of things, or even just, you know, writing the sheet music for the song in my head as I hear it, right. You know, writing the melody mm -hmm. out and like, okay, how's that harmonizing all that, even the music theory stuff, I can't separate that. So long story short, it has taken away a little bit of my like mm -hmm. visceral, enjoyment of music, you know, cause I'm not able to put some of that stuff to the side, but I have friends who are way smarter than me and way better at music theory and way better producers who can, and can just shut that side of their brain off and dive in. So I need to be better at that. I don't know. Do you miss it? Do you miss listening to oh, music and just enjoying it? Of course. It's funny. If I'm going to listen to music that I just want to enjoy, you know, mm -hmm. without thinking about it, sometimes I have to go back to classic songs that I was listening to before I got 
like smart really? on the music side of things. Yeah, because I there was a time where I listened to that music and I didn't know anything about it. So I'm able to kind of mm-hmm. reconnect with that part of myself um, and, and, and listen to that music and not necessarily pick it apart. But modern music, music I haven't heard before, let's just say mm-hmm. that I, I tend to to dive in on. Anyway, it's, it's I'm also weird, so it could just be that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I find that struggle as well, not with music, but I work in podcasting and um, mm. I started, I, I loved listening to podcasts, but more recently I started, you know, just completely yeah. criticizing podcasts and knitting <laughs> it apart. And, and yeah, it's, a, <laughs> I miss just enjoying podcasts, you know, just listening to them and enjoying yeah, them. Like sometimes you just want to be a fan of other people's work and not make yeah. it about your work. Right. But that's, there exactly. you go. It's a similar thing. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you think that you'll ever retire from music or do you think that's something that you'll always do? No, I don't think I ever will. Honestly, mm-hmm. it'll, I'll always do it. And you know, the, my involvement in music has, has changed so much over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, do I, you know, like, do I ever think I'm going to go like, you know, play music professionally again, live? Probably not, but I used to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that's yeah. changed. Do I think the thing that I guarantee you I will do in, in music until the day I keel over until I can't do anymore is teach. So like teaching is my, and there's a variety of different ways to teach, right? I actually, you know, I have a hundred college students that start this Mm -hmm. week. So I'm doing that, like literally teaching, but also working with startups and working with other Mm -hmm. companies that are, you know, just kind of coming up and like sharing some of my knowledge with them. I look at that kind of as teaching and mentoring as well. So that side of things is, is probably more fulfilling to me these days than anything else I get to. Like, I don't need more credits in music. I got a bunch of those. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like that side of yeah. things isn't as appealing to me as it used to be when I was coming up. So there's still cool shit I get to work on. And it makes me excited, of course. But I kind of get fulfillment through other people's excitement and their wins these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'll be doing that until I'm irrelevant or I can't do it anymore. I don't know. So you find more fulfillment in just helping others or support others through their music career and transition. A hundred percent. Like I've, I've gotten, I feel like mm-hmm. I, I got to do like stuff so far beyond anything I ever thought I could do. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm cool at this point. So <laughs> it's, it's like, if I can pay it forward a little bit or, you know, whether it's my students or other people in the industry, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, yeah, that's kind of where the juice is for me these days. What is your coolest tour story? Oh God. I don't know if I have. Uh, okay. So I don't know if this is my coolest. I don't know why this popped into my head. But <laughs> we were in Sardinia off the coast of Italy. Okay. And at this cool ass amphitheater, like right on the water. Right. So, and I, I'd, I'd only been to Italy a couple of times at that point. And me and the bass player, I was touring with this uh, artist, Adrian Ballou from, uh, King Crimson and David Bowie and all this, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were getting ready for the show. So we decided to go swimming, Julie Slick and me in, the, in this, you know, the ocean basically. And we're sitting there chilling out and she's got her GoPro and we're hanging out and a flock of big ass pink flamingos flies over our head and lands in the water right next to us. And they're just kind of chilling out. And I just, at the time I had never, I didn't realize flamingos like hung out in Sardinia. I was pretty ignorant of that. Yeah. I've Uh, never seen a flamingo before. (laughs) I've never seen a flamingo before or since, but this was my one time where I was like, there's, is that a flock of flamingos? Oh, it is. And they just came and hung out. So, uh, and they fly. I didn't even know they flew. Uh, Dude. (laughs) I thought they just chill. Like (laughs) (laughs) they're like turkeys. I don't know. But, uh, or ostriches or something. No, it was, that's a random story, but no, I was, man, the touring thing, that is something I miss a little bit, uh, yeah. being on the road. It's, it's not the, at least for me, it wasn't the healthiest lifestyle in the world, but like, you yeah. know, 
I got to see every, you know, 50 plus countries probably touring and have been around the world a whole bunch of times and got paid to do it. And it's like, I would have never thought of that coming up, you know, especially as a, I, I wasn't touring as a musician. I was touring as like a producer and an engineer and yeah. somebody mm -hmm. who designed a lot of the stuff. So I certainly, I didn't even know that was a job when I was a kid, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, so it was cool. So yeah, I've been lucky to do some, some fun stuff in that department. And who's the, who's your favorite artist or band to tour with? Just friends, honestly, like, yeah, people that I have to say, Blue, which most people listening to this won't, won't know who he is, which is totally cool. He's kind of like people who are musicians in the industry who are like hardcore, especially guitar players will know aid, but like, mm -hmm. he's a, he's just somebody that helped get me into the industry. And the first, he's the first person I went touring internationally with. So I have such a soft spot for those memories, if that makes sense, because that was like yeah. my first time going to, you know, Japan or Australia or all these Norway and these places where, you know, everyone else had been there and I hadn't. So they were kind of showing me around and kind of giving me, you know, like tour guides basically for, you know, for me, who was fairly new, new to the game. So I, I have, mm -hmm. a, again, a soft spot for Adrian and for the, for, for the tours that we did. We have a lot of young people listening. So, you know, Gen Z's who are looking to tap into the artist world or like they've been listening to music and producing their own. Um, oh, cool. And a lot of them don't know how to break into the industry. They, you know, a lot of them do it from their bedroom. A lot of them have yeah. DJ sets. Me too. They just don't know yeah. <laughs> exactly. They don't know what to do or how to go about it. They don't even know if they should study it or go to school for it. So what is the most natural <clears throat> next step for someone who has a DJ set or is producing music from home and yep. is thinking, you know what? Touring is cool. Doing this stuff with companies is cool. And they want to do it as a, you know, their lifelong career. What was what 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 would you advise them to be the next step? Oh, that's an easy question. Wait, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very hard question. Well, so okay, so let's I'll tackle pe tackle it in pieces here. So the first thing, let's say okay. you mentioned school, right? So people should people yeah. go to school to whatever it is to learn how to play guitar, to songwrite, to DJ. You can go to school for anything related to music mm -hmm. these days, right? So my now I, this is going to seem like. It's weird for me to say because I'm a college professor teaching music technology to a lot of people, right? I've had thousands and thousands of students over 15 years and I teach, I've taught privately and all that. I went to school for music, okay? So I went to school yeah. to learn music technology, to learn how to mix, to mm -hmm. learn how to master, to learn how to produce. I did it for seven years. I went and got a bachelor's and a master's degree in that. Had I not done that, okay, for me personally, mm -hmm. I would not be wherever I am today. Right. I, I needed that yeah. structure in my life. And it wasn't even about necessarily the knowledge so much, but just about like me maturing and give, like getting my social skills together and that whole college experience that some people need. Lots of people don't honestly. So like if mm. you're sitting around right now and you're like, man, I'm a, I'm a decent DJ. What should I do? Should I go spend $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars to go to school? No, you should not do that. Right. There's a million resources out there where you, that you can learn more about the craft, you can practice, you could spend some of that money on gear and invest in maybe recording or promotion of a release that you're going to mm -hmm. do or a tour or whatever. Like there's ways to, I, I don't recommend lots of people go to school for music. So I'll just shoot that down right now. Um, though college can be good for, for some people, blah, blah, blah. But all the information you ever need is out there on the internet. You're going to be um, hearing back from the college. You I know they're going to be like, yes, yes, but, <laughs> but, but, I, but I'm, I'm a dichotomy there because for me, it mm. worked amazingly well because it also let me network mm -hmm. through my professors. I, they gave me access to yeah. my first gigs. My, my biggest, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but it may help somebody else. My yeah. biggest hindrance. And one of the reasons why it helped me is that I was, terrible at networking at talking to people. I was super shy. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of anxiety, right? So 
I need, I went to school and like by doing well in classes, right? My professors recommended me for jobs and that's how it got me in the industry. I would have never been the person to go like into a room full of people and shake hands or go talk to managers and meet with A&R. I just wasn't that person at that period mm -hmm. of my life. I am now. But and many had, aren't and many aren't. Yeah. Especially after the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. So now, so more broadly to your question of what the hell do you do, right? If you're trying to get into the music industry, yeah. great question. I mean, there's, there's a million, you've mentioned a few things so far. I mean, it, it's so different now because you really do have to, you know, if you go, if you hit up an A&R at a label right now and you send them your stuff, what's yeah. the first thing that they're going to do? They're going to go look at your social reject media. You. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're yeah. going to go look at your social media presence and then they're going to reject you. Right. So they're going to, yeah. they might, they might listen to your music. Right. But odds are a lot, not everybody, but a lot of them are going to mm -hmm. go see, have you been the way that the industry works now? Have you been out there hustling before you brought them this piece of amazing art that you think is amazing? Right. So that's a challenge right out of the gate. Unless you have a, you know, you've been on the road and you've been touring and developed some kind of a base or you have digital fandom, whether that's through Twitch or TikTok or you're doing metaverse shows or whatever it is, right? You're dabbling mm -hmm. in Web3 and NFTs. I mean, there's a lot. The beauty of the way the world works these days is there's so many freaking avenues you can choo choose, excuse me, to go try to develop some engagement with a community um, that, the challenge is a picking one and dividing your time between actually trying to be an artist and all this other stuff that comes along with it. Unless you can align yourself, you know, some people that I know that have been successful, they, you know, they didn't do it on their own, you know, even as an independent artist, they, I'm trying to be yeah. an artist. Well, my friend is trying to be a manager. They might not be up here yet, but they're going to help hustle and we're going to rise up together. This friend of mine is trying to be a mix engineer. Well, let me bring him into the crew too. So as if, you know, all, Tide lifts all ships, right? So a lot of these people look at Kendrick Lamar and how he came up and mm -hmm. all the teams, the team members of his that wrote, that rode with him and they all came up together, right? That's not uncommon is a story. So I think that's one thing is to find people that complement you, your needs and that you complement what they're looking to do. And, and then your network just expands that way. So don't be so isolated. It doesn't mean you can't be successful that way, but you know, yeah. you'll re-raise your odds by working with other people. Do you think it's a little bit more about influence or geared towards influence than artistry or necessarily artistry these days? Uh, I want to say that it's not, but um, it's definitely a hybrid of that, right? So for better okay. or worse, um, it is. Uh, though, I, you know, I'd like to believe that artistry wins out at the end of the day. Like if you put two things on an equal playing mm -hmm. field and one ha has a lot of artistic integrity and has some originality behind it, that that's always going to win. That's, of course, not always the case. Mm -hmm. um, but... Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's tough for an artist who just wants to be insular in an artist and does amazingly creative stuff to, to catch the ear in the eyes and the attention of the wider industry if you're not playing the game a little bit when it comes to the social side of things. For That's better fair. or worse. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not the best person to even answer this question. So just so everybody, you know, listening or watching this knows, like, <laughs> this is just my opinion on this. I'm not, I don't, mm -hmm. I work with record labels. I'm not sitting in a record label, but you don't need a record label, right? That's the other thing. The beauty of all of this is. Yeah. Today with NFTs, you don't even need a record well, label to support. Well, you. even with that, with that, with, with, you know, distribution being everywhere, right? Readily available to anybody. Mm -hmm. You certainly don't need to go through a label for that. 
Um, you know, you get into labels are valuable for certain things, right? But you can yep. kind of piece those things together yourself, um, at least to kind of get yourself up and running to give yourself more leverage. Were you ever to go work with a label, right? Cause then you're established mm -hmm. and you've shown that you can, I don't need a label. I can do this shit myself. Um, to some degree, at least like that, get that puts you in a better position to negotiate if, if that's the direction you want to go. But yeah, the NFT thing is interesting, right? So that's another, yeah. like where that, where that's going to play out for music specifically, uh, is still very much up in the air. There's this use case that I love. Um, it's with a startup called sound and yeah. a, they sound introduced the first beta. Yes, they introduced yeah. their first beta with seven indie artists. And in the first minute, everything sold out and they made like within the first hour as much money as they would have made with 21 million streams on yeah. Spotify, which is completely mind blowing. And I think it showed that I was with the argument that influence, you know, influence and artistry is more important than just artist artistry on its own. But I think that showed that if you just have a small fan base that loves your artistry and is willing to support it, it can make more money than necessarily influence on Spotify or streaming. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that's, that's why like this new world is amazing for individual artists. Yeah. That's the dream at least of the web three space for music, right? Is that you can maybe not, maybe not a thousand fans, right? The whole, you know, but maybe 10,000 fans, right? You could have a, a mm -hmm pretty nice income over the long term if you can keep those people engaged and that's totally doable mm -hmm. for everybody the music space has not settled i mean the whole nft web3 space hasn't settled period but especially for music right it's music we tend to be last to the game when it comes to new technology on the music side of things uh and it's not been it's been the same when it comes to to web3 and nfts so we're, we're gonna see how all of that plays out but i think it's in a you know i've I talk about it. You talk about it a fair bit, right? I try, mm -hmm. I work with some companies in the space and I think there's a tremendous opportunity, but for, first things first, we're probably going to have to take the term NFT and throw it in the trash can because I think it's got yes, so much baggage that to, comes with it. Yes. Yeah. Digital collectible. So much baggage. Yeah. Call it whatever you want. Um, tokens. I don't care what you call it, but NFTs is not the thing that we're going to call it anymore. And then, mm -hmm. you know, for artists and for people listening to this too, like if you don't know a lot about that space, it's, it's not that hard to at least get started, whether it's sound XYZ yeah. or it's medallion or look at a, uh, you know, serenade or so there's so many companies doing interesting stuff and it's only going to get easier over the next year to two years is, I mean, everyone is working to drop the barrier of entry so everyone can get involved in this space without needing to know anything about cryptocurrencies or wallets or any of that stuff. Right. Yeah. So you're not too late. It's it's an interesting time as we kind of figure out what this is going to be. And the, the, the thing I think that will really blow the space up is when an artist that is an example, uh, you know, fractionalized royalties, let's just pretend to one of their songs or had a fan club or something like that and got famous after that. Right. So somebody who built yeah. a small community that's a Web3 native artist blows up to the public at large. Then I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to see, holy crap, I can do a lot more with this and there's money to be made and there's, you know, there's equity to be shared with fandom, right? It's like yeah. people who are supporters of an artist win when that artist wins. It's, and I don't look at that as a pyramid scheme. There's I look a lot at that of benefits. as like, no. yeah, it's like, no, it's like the way you would want benefits, your community yeah. to be. So anyway. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm hopeful about this artist called Teflon Sega. He's, had, uh, <laughs> he has one of the biggest, have yeah. you heard of him? <laughs> of course. Yes. He's got a yeah. huge following. So I'm, he's 
got a huge following and I'm I don't know I'm hopeful that one of his musics is going to go mainstream one day because it's it's very you know R&B very pop it's it's very relevant to you know today's R&B so I'm I'm very hopeful that he would be the you know potentially the first use case um but another very big question you know the centralization versus decentralization or privatization of music I think that's one of been one been one of the biggest backlashes from the um, music community of if every single artist privatizes their music, we go back to the days of pre-Spotify, which yeah. is the entire reason that Spotify came to be is everyone wanted music accessible to them, right? So what are your thoughts on that? Right. So basically how the public accesses music if everyone's kind of siloing themselves, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think the way that this is all going to play out um, and if Web3 maximalists will probably throw stuff at me for saying this, but there is not going to be, and I think this is just rash. I think most people agree with this. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be like Web2 evolves into Web3, right? It's going to be, yeah. you have Web2 solutions that integrate some you know, pieces of Web3 and Web3 solutions that incorporate some pieces of Web2, and they're going to live in parallel mm -hmm. alongside each other. Um, and, and mingle. And that means, by the way, that you could have your music potentially on Spotify while also having limited digital editions that you're selling on Bandcamp or whatever, right? So I think, yeah, you know, Spotify is a whole other discussion is about whether they're screwed or not as a company, <laughs> but, but some version of that will exist, right? There will be some aggregator of music that the average person can go to and engage with that. And then I think there will be tiers of digital collectibles stacked and on top of that that have utility via experiences or whatever artists want to incorporate in that to make them attractive. And that's how that's going to work. So there are some artists that will get, I mean, look at Snoop Dogg, right? So he, great yep. example of somebody taking death row and saying, screw this, I'm making an NFT mm -hmm. label. Uh, and I'm working with his team on some of that stuff, right? So it's like, you no, know, he's, he's, he's trying to completely walled garden his stuff. And he's got a strong enough brand where he can do that, right? Not every he artist will it, be able yeah. to do that. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it'll be Even an option. Kanye at one point, if Kanye does yeah. it, but so everyone totally will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think I think it's going to be a mix of both. Um, yeah. I think we're focusing a little bit too much on Web three versus Web two, and Agreed. no one in this space, in terms of you know start, the startup world, no one is looking at it Web three versus Web two. Even the VCs, they're looking at it uh, at, as how can we provide both solutions at the same time for everyone you know everyone who wants either privatization or they want exclusivity or people who want you know general music or they want general access so i think yeah we're focusing a little bit too much on that privatization topic in my opinion at least on twitter yep, I um, agree. awesome okay daniel any last words for the audiences who <laughs> are fans of your work or of music production what is you know one advice that you would tell them um well, certainly not anybody that's fans of my work, right? I'm lucky to get to work on the stuff that I get to work on. I'm fans of the people I work with. I would just say on the, you know, on the, you know, in closing, right? Kind of on the topic for anybody mm -hmm. that's aspiring to do anything where the, in the music, let's just take the music industry or the web three space, right? So, you know, I, I said it's, it's much easier kind of if you ride with friends and as if you ride alone, right? You'll go farther mm -hmm. uh, with other people than you will on your own. Like, go through channels and, and meet people, whether that's on discord or whether it's, it's easier to say than do, I realize, but there's so much cool, even though discord is a total shit show, you go on discord, get on Twitter, also a shit show. There's uh, you know, 
I no, I, I I say this on almost every podcast I'm on. So if you've heard me talk before, you're gonna you know laugh. <laughs> but like LinkedIn, you know, everyone's on TikTok, everyone's on Discord, everyone's on Twitter. There's a lot of noise on all those platforms. Depending upon what you want to do, right? There's other platforms you can go to where don't have a lot of that noise that a lot of your peers probably aren't on. And LinkedIn happens to be mm-hmm. one of those. I mean, I, I tell this to all my students. I make them go make a LinkedIn account. I don't care if they want to be an artist, a producer, yep. a music business cat, a Web3 founder, whatever, because that's probably the best place to go to directly reach out to people who would take you seriously, even if you don't know anything yep. and you just want to meet them and talk and chat. That's how we met, I think, right? Didn't we yeah, not that's meet how on we met. Okay. Yes, we met on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been personally my secret weapon for so much stuff for the past 10 years. And I, I didn't even think anything of LinkedIn. I just randomly stumbled mm. on it. But I do recommend, you know, if you're trying to, if there's somebody that you want to get to, right, regard producer, doesn't matter who it is, Web3 founder, try them on Twitter, hit them on Instagram, hit them on LinkedIn as well. And you might be surprised that you'll get, you know, they might be more open to chatting with you and kind of helping support whatever you're working on. So I, I people do that for me. I do that for them. And that's kind of the, the arena that I've chosen to play in. Yeah, LinkedIn is an amazing place. I also teach at university and one of the courses I teach is literally how to create a LinkedIn profile. Are you serious? And every I didn't know that. every okay. single couple of weeks. I, <laughs> I literally teach like a group of like maybe eighty students or fifty students literally wow. how to create LinkedIn. And I just tell them all create LinkedIn's right now. We're gonna go through it. This is how you do everything. And so they go out of like their first year at least with a LinkedIn and the hope is That's when they graduate. Cool they've built a little bit some of their LinkedIn experience because it's amazing. It's amazing. A lot of people, I think, um, are blindsided to its benefits. Yep, I completely agreed. Daniel, thank you so much for, for, for hopping on and chatting with us. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did, and I hope we can have you again very soon. Most definitely. I really appreciate the invite.